Well, good morning, New Hope. Thank you for being here this morning in person. And if you're here with the live stream, welcome to New Hope Community Church, an opportunity for us to meet with Jesus and to be a people who are transformed by his power at work within us. One New Year's Eve at London's Garrick Club, British dramatist Frederick Lonsdale was asked by Seymour Hicks to make right his relationship with a fellow member. The two had quarreled in the past and never restored their friendship. You must, Hicks said to Lonsdale. It is very unkind to be unfriendly at such a time. Go over now and wish him a happy new year. So Lonsdale crossed the room and spoke to his enemy. He said, I wish you a happy new year, but only one. You know, we can laugh at this story, but there's also much reality in it when it comes to certain relationships in our life. It's like the 90-year-old man who told his care attendant that he didn't have an enemy in the world. The care attendant replied, man, that's amazing. Yep, said the old man, I outlived them all. For some of us, there are relationships that appear impossible. You have been hurt badly, wounded, and there is no way even an ounce of love or the concept of forgiveness could be extended to the individual, to the perpetrator. It's impossible. Well, this month, we highlight the impossible and we celebrate the possible. The birth of God's son 2,000 years ago to a young teenage girl, a virgin. In Luke 1.37, the angel Gabriel stated to a questioning Mary, for with God... Nothing will be impossible. The impossible made possible is what we'll be focusing on this month in this series called Impossible. And we'll be looking at the impossible cure, the impossible habit. And today we are looking at the impossible relationship. Because we all understand the challenge of relationship in our lives. But we see throughout the Bible, there are marred and broken relationships that look impossible. But with God, there's always some level of resolve when it comes to our relationships. That's the whole reason why he sent Jesus at Christmas was about bringing our relationship with him back in order. 
You know, we see the familiar story first off in the Old Testament about siblings and an impossible relationship. We see Joseph and his 11 older brothers back in Genesis chapter 37 through 50, where Joseph is given these dreams by God of his future position. He tells his brother and brothers in enthusiasm, saying, hey, I had these two dreams where we're out in the fields and, and your haystacks are bowing down to mine. They didn't receive it very well. And I had this other dream, family, of the stars and the moon and the sun all bowing to me, which was a picture of his whole family bowing to him. And they didn't like their little brother. And one day he was out in the fields with them and they decided they'd kill him. But one older brother spoke up and instead they threw him into a pit until coincidentally an Arab caravan was coming by. And so they sold him to the Arab caravan, soiled his clothes with lamb's blood to show his father he had been killed by a wild animal. And he was taken off to Egypt and sold to Potiphar to work within the kingdom, within the household. And God elevated Joseph to be third in command in the nation of Egypt. And 22 years later, his 11 brothers show up in his presence because of famine. And they need rice because they're dying. He eventually reveals himself to them. And this is what they say in Genesis 20, 15, because they know now his position. Realizing that their father was dead, Joseph's brothers said, what if Joseph still bears a grudge against us and pays us back in full for the, all the wrong that we did to him? So he had that power. He had that position. He could have just put him to death, right? We see a second story of a father-son relationship in the New Testament. Familiar story. A father has two sons. The younger son comes to the father and says, Father, give me my inheritance so that I can go off and do what I want to do. And basically in that culture, when a son would ask for the inheritance prior to the father's death, he was basically telling the dad, Hey, I wish you were dead already because I want the money. And so the father gives the son his inheritance. It states in the story he goes off to another country, a non-Jewish country, which was unheard of, and he squanders all his inheritance in wild living, opposite living than he was brought up in. He loses it all turns around, realizing he has nothing. He's eating from the pig trough, which was unheard of for a Jew. And he decides to go home. And this is what the text says. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with blank. If you are dad in the room today, your son did this exact same thing. You saw him coming a long way off. Where would your heart be? 
We read in the New Testament as well, the epistles of some friends, co-workers who have division. In Acts 15, it says, Some time later, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them. But Paul did not think it was wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus. And Paul chose Silas and left. We see a very familiar story that really reflects the story of God and us. But we see it in the story of Jesus and Peter. In John 18, we see that Peter denies Jesus three times. Jesus is at his greatest moment. He's being whipped. He's being ridiculed. He's being punched. He's being spit on because he will not deny being the son of God. Peter is warming himself at a fire within distance. And he's asked three times if he knows Jesus. And three times he denies even knowing him. I do not know the man. He had just been with him three years, 24-7. And he denies him, rejects him in that scenario. Reminds me of a story of recovery where this individual said, yeah, these were my friends and, and you know, unfortunately we did drugs together and drank and that. But man, when I went to jail, you know what they did? They broke into my house and stole all my stuff. And I'm sure the feeling that individual felt is the feeling Jesus felt, where it's like, really? I thought you were with me in my scenario. The Bible doesn't hide the fact that we struggle when it comes to impossible relationships because it's reality. I'd like to invite Rob Krantz. I've invited him this morning to share with us a little bit about the reality of today of, hey, impossible relationship, right? And he was graciously willing to come and share his journey in his life. So Rob, what, what was the impossible relationship in your life? Uh, the impossible ones were uh, my father and uh, later on in life, my children. Your children. Yep. So in what ways would you classify those relationships as impossible? <clears throat> well, growing up, my dad was an alcoholic, and so there was a lot of verbal abuse, <clears throat> a lot of physical abuse. And, uh, you know, you were never told you were loved or you were doing a good job or anything. And... Uh, Part of the physical abuse was uh, I would get whipped with a belt and then was uh, forced to save my tears in uh, my own lunch pail cup of my milk milk, milk cup. So your so so your dad was whipping you with the belt. Yeah. He said that you had to save your tears in your lunch pail. In my in my cup in my thermos in my, cup. 
in so, your cup. Yep, men don't cry. Uh, you were taught you take a licking, and that's the way it was. So, yeah, it was it was rough. It was rough. So, what brought you to the place then when you realized God was asking you to make it right on your end that relationship? Or you mentioned your kids. Well, I went through my own um, bad choices and trials and went through my own addiction. And uh, it wasn't until um, going to treatment for the last time and then actually working a 12-step program, getting sponsors and mentors. And, uh, um, you know, I turned my life over to Christ, and he started to show me different things. And... uh, I really thank my mentor a lot, Jerry, because uh, he, you know, as we read and he showed me things that God was going to do for me. And so um, part of the forgiving was uh, making amends. And so in authentic manhood, it talked about the father wounds. And uh, it made you actually look a little deeper into what was really going on. And so when I even look back at my my father's past, it kind of made me think that maybe that's how he was brought up or that's how he was raised mm-hmm. and that he didn't know any better. And so for me growing up, um, I had no structure or guide. So I was kind of just winging it on my own, making my own choices, so to say. And yeah. there were some pretty bad choices. So then I went to the uh, making the amends, the amends part, and working on forgiveness because I was forgiven. So how did that work as far as the impossible relationship with your kids, your family? Well, with my family, um, I, you know, I, I just manned up and told them what was going on, was honest about everything, just kind of put everything out on the table. And uh, ask for forgiveness. And so God started restoring those relationships all over again. Did it happen overnight? No. <laughs> no. No. No, it wasn't over. <laughs> no, that's for sure. It was, it was, it was a few-year process. It was quite a process in, in order to walk, take the steps and walk through this whole thing, you know. Right. And uh, the one thing was... Uh, I was supposed to make amends with my dad, too. Right. And so I, uh, I wrote a letter. But your dad, was your dad still living? Oh, no, actually, my dad passed away when I was 16. And that was part of the other thing, too, was uh, he died um, when I was 16. He was sick with cancer for about a year and a half and then just gone like that. And so he was out of our life. And our life was pretty much in turmoil at the time. So school didn't really matter. Nothing really mattered. You yeah. know, it was AA, Al-Anon, Alateen. Um, get rid of it all, you know. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So your dad had died, so there was not this opportunity, obviously, to meet with him personally. So what did you do to you know, bring resolve on your end? Well, that, that, was, that was a tough one. And uh, I actually, I, I prayed about it a lot, you know, and I, and I thought, you know, I thought maybe I had moved past that and forgiven him, but then I was told to write a letter. And so I wrote a long letter and went out to the cemetery and read it. 
burnt it up after that. So you went out to his grave, his grave site. Yep. Yep. And that. Okay. Yep. Because I, I was supposed to oh. do my part. Excuse me. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was supposed to do my part in order for the healing to come for me, and so I had that was something I had to take and step forward to go do, pretty much. Yep. So it, through that whole process, where does that put you today when you think about? your dad and your relationship with your dad, your, your kids were out of the picture when you were uh, doing recovery, jail, all those things. Yep, yep. Uh, where are you at today in, in the whole picture of uh, relationship? Um, well, with my children, it's all, it's really great now. Um, it's been restored. And uh, now, you know, they see a different me. And so now they're kind of, following in my footsteps, so to speak, as a, as a Christ follower. And uh, um, my, of course, with my dad, it's, you know, uh, I forgive him. And uh, I, I do miss him. You know, I wish we had another chance uh, at it, but yep. that's not going to happen. And so uh, I just want to move forward and do whatever I can to be a better dad, be there for my children, um, step up, like you say, and be a man. Yeah. yeah. Well, Rob, thanks for giving us a, a picture of the, the stories we talked about in God's word and then to the real life today of what a lot of us would deem maybe as, hey, impossible relationship. And so thank you for that. Appreciate it for sharing. Thank you. you <clears throat> God does the possible when we think it's impossible. And we look at Rob's story of not only his relationship with his father, but his own children and, and the restoration of that. And we look back on the four stories that I shared earlier with the siblings, where Joseph's brothers are standing before him, wondering are they going to live or are they going to die? But Joseph said to them, do not be afraid. Am I in the place of God? Even though you intended to do harm to me, God intended it for good in order to preserve a numerous people as he is doing today. God used Joseph to not only save Egypt, but to save the Israelite people. As the son was heading home and the father saw him at a distance but while he was still way off his father saw him and was filled with what he could have disowned him and do not acknowledge you as my son but he was filled with it says compassion for him he ran to his son threw his arms around him and kissed him the son wondered if he was going to be restored to any kind of position or privilege in the family. But the dad said, bring out a robe, put it on him. Bring out sandals, put it on his feet, which proved he was part of the family. Put a ring on his finger and kill the fatted calf. Because my son who was lost is now found. 
Paul and Barnabas. Sharp disagreement. We've had those. Parted their ways. One to the east, one to the west. But we read later in God's word, 2 Timothy 4.11, that Paul is asking that Mark would be sent to him because he's so important in the ministry with Paul. We read later in Colossians that Mark is with Paul 12 years later as Paul's in prison ministering with him. And how Paul writes then the church of Colossae and says, listen, when Barnabas comes, greet him with a hearty welcome. Picture of restoration in these relationships. We see that Peter and the disciples are fishing out on the waters. Jesus walks along the seashore, sees him out there, builds a little fire and calls to the boys, come on in. Peter looks and realizes it's it's Jesus. And this is after he denied him three times. Says he dove into the water, swam to shore. He needed to see him. And as they sat around the fire, Jesus asked him, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I I do love you. (laughs) Then feed my sheep. And he asks him again, Peter, do you love me? I do love you. And he asks him a third time, do you love me? And in the text, it says that Peter was hurt because he had to ask him three times. But it was a big deal. He denied Jesus three times. But Jesus said, Lord, Lord, yes, I love you. And we know that Peter was one of the greatest leaders in the early church. What is impossible in our eyes, in our emotions, when it comes to our relationships, is possible with God when it comes to the restoration of a relationship. It may not be all the way back to this buddy-buddy or, hey, we're married again. But there's a level of resolve that brings glory to God and brings peace to our hearts, like Rob shared. In Matthew 18, Peter asked Jesus the question, how many times do I got to forgive my brother if he sins against me? Seven, which was generous in the Jewish community. I mean, he thought, hey, seven, that's a good answer because typically it was three and out. But Jesus said, no, Peter, not just seven. Seventy times seven, which equals 490, which is the numerical value of the biblical word in Hebrew, tamim which means complete and perfect and finished. That's what God desires, to take impossible relationships, to make them possible when forgiveness is enacted 
so that they're complete, perfect, and finished. That's what Christmas brings us because of the birth of our Savior. Luke 137, for with God, nothing will be impossible. Let's pray. Father God, I pray that you would restore the relationships that we look within our lives and think impossible. That you would bring resolve and that you would bring change, Lord Jesus. That you would bring provision. And I pray that we would be a people like Rob who take your word as truth and live it out. And so do a new work in us over this Christmas season in our relationships for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.